As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, season four, episode 17. This is our 100th episode. Woo! Woo! Like the banners. You know, we should have done something festivus. Festivus? Festivus for this, this one. Anywho, uh, my name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kula in Mississauga, Ontario. 100, baby! And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I was waiting for the 100, baby, or something. <laughs> <laughs> really... Jaime cannot deviate from the script. He has a how's yeah, it how going. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what he does. And he's got the, he's got the uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Jaime's Motocom, but it's the, uh, what is it called? Um, Blue Steel? What it's called? Honey? My my avatar or my yeah, like the yeah, emoji you're, you're, or which the, the the eyebrow you raise and the, the isn't that the thing from Zoolander? Oh, uh, it's it's similar. Yes, that's oh, true. I see it. Oh, it's your own patent. It's my own uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, have a, I have a really blurry photo of the. I think one of the only photos where me, Mark, and Jaime are in actually the same room. And uh, I just noticed the other day I was looking at it. It's really blurry because it's shot with my old my old iPhone, but you can see that Jaime's got his eyebrow raised. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Alrighty. Um, fact check. So, first of all, Eric Winter is the uh, actor who plays Tim Bradford on The Rookie. We were talking about somebody who could possibly play, uh, or who would be built sort of the, the right shape and size for... Um, but you're right. I guess Nathan Fillion would have been, been a good choice for that, too. Yeah. Yeah, for Nathan Drake for the Uncharted movie, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the other bit of fact check I have here is the movie Rust, which is the uh, film set where uh, Alec Baldwin fatally shot the the uh, director of photography. Um, it will not be completed, They're, they've announced last week. So I don't have a link for that, but I, I just remember seeing that it was not going to be completed, I guess, you know, because, you know, kind of morbid now. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be awfully hard to be back on the movie set, given the circumstances. All righty. So I guess we'll dig into the headlines and Jaime's up first. Jaime, what? Yeah, the the big one here is the first trailer for The Book of Boba Fett. Woo-hoo! Debuting on Disney Plus Woo-hoo! December 29th. Yep, just right. in the nick of 2021. Yeah. Yes, it's true. That's our, our last little uh, last little present for the year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks interesting. I mean... You know, I, I, it's sort of you know the old the old trope of let's try it a new way kind of approach to things, right? Well, it's funny because we, you know, we talked about the book of Boba Fett a few different times since since the end of the the last Mandalorian season, 
you know, Boba Fett has been this very popular culty character for Star Wars fans for a very, very long time. And it's interesting that, you know, over the years, there's been so much, you know, wouldn't it be cool? Oh, wouldn't it be amazing? And oh, if there was only a way that they could, you know, bring him back and do a story. And there was talk that they were going to do one of those Star Wars story movies that then when they were doing Rogue One and they were doing, you know, the spinoffs, the solos and stuff like that. Oh, maybe that's where it'll end up. And and yeah, the fact that it's going to be this longer form a real chance to soak in, get back into the the world of the scum and villainy half of the of the uh, Star Wars universe. To even just the trailer, I was getting goosebumps at times. Where, you know, they're back in Jabba's palace. They're back in mm-hmm. the cities on Tatooine. There's all these great, you know, uh, alien creatures and the makeup and the practical effects. And uh, yeah, it's my it's always been my favorite part of the Star Wars universe. Is the frankly the diversity, just the the idea that you know that is this like huge mosaic from around the galaxy and and you know to have them just dive back into that world it looks so much fun it's interesting though that that the character was sort of very enigmatic and never really said much and that you know he was just sort of the mysterious you know silent stalker that's the appeal though right like that's that's one of the things that people like so much is that it's you know he's this sort of man of mystery this masked man you know now obviously we've seen what's under the hood and and hopefully through this this series we'll get a little bit more you know how did he survive what does he want now how does he sort of you know where does he map out his future going from here obviously we saw the end of the mandalorian spoilers if you haven't seen mandalorian but you know it's been a while uh but you know he he goes in he he uh you know kills uh bib fortuna who was Jabba's major, uh, what do you call it, um, major domo, and mm. he climbs up on onto Jabba's throne like he owns the place, and uh, yeah, it's, it sort of sets the stage for you know his sort of descent back into the underworld. But it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, he's always been that sort of you know he has a code. He's not just you know a, a mindless killing machine or anything like that. Like he he has his own sort of personal code. It'll be interesting to see where that lines up with, you know, getting back into this this world of scum and villainy. Yeah, I just mean that, like, he started out not saying very much, and now he doesn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. All right, it's fair. But, yep. uh, yeah, did you guys notice in the trailer there was a couple of um, interesting-looking characters? We, I mean, we obviously saw um, Ming-Na Wen came back as, as Fennec Shand, who we, you know, we recognized from The Mandalorian, and... Um, and then we also saw uh, Jennifer Beals walking by at one point as a, as a Twi'lek. Another story for the headlines. Do, 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 do. Okay, so one. speaking of trailers, we got our first look at Morbius, the Marvel series adaptation starring Jarrett Leto this week. This is set in the Venom quasi-Spider-Man-verse. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you guys were watching those, that trailer, you would have noticed that there was a couple of different spots where uh, they they overtly reference some of the other uh, parts of the Spider-Verse that, that Sony owns the rights to. We got uh, one scene where we see uh, Morbius in his human guise uh, as Dr. Morbius walking at one point, and we see a Spider-Man poster on the wall behind him. So again, a clear oh. overt reference to the fact mm-hmm. that this is occurs in the same space as a spider-man we'll say a spider-man it could be a different Mm. spider-man and he he also references venom 
at one point. And we also see him interacting with Michael Keaton. Yeah, I was going to say. And Michael Keaton, of the course, Batman, played right? the vulture in his uh, in in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. So. Oh, did he? Oh, I thought he was the Batman. Well, he is the Batman, but he, the, in the Marvel Universe, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's the vulture. And oh, he's DC, right? DC. Yeah, DC for Batman and this for, right. yeah. So he was he was the vulture and he, you know, sort of wink, wink and nod at the camera. Hey, we should stay in touch, you know, so... Yeah, so you guys, I don't know what your background is as far as your knowledge of Morbius. Are you guys familiar with Morbius as a character? I know nothing about Morbius. So he's, he was Morbius the Living Vampire. He was sort Bill's of vampire kind of guy. Vampire kind of mm-hmm. guy in uh, debuted in what was he issue one oh something one oh two one oh three of of Amazing Spider Man way back in the day, and he is a uh, yeah basically a vampiric character uh, and one of those sort of anti heroes in the vein of Venom, sort of straddling the line between good and bad. Yeah, I think I've seen a few comics i don't think solo comics i think they were probably team-ups with spider-man or something um but just a just a tiny bit of familiarity with the character is he a good guy that turns into like a vampire kind of guy or what's it or is he jekyll and hyde yeah it's it's more like you know it's the it's the sort of age-old monster story of you know i I don't want to be doing these things, but I have to because this is what my my monstrous nature dictates. And yeah, exactly. And they hinted that in the trailer, of course. It's, um, again, I'm not dying to see this. This wasn't like top of my list. You know, I know there are, are, of course, you know, Marvel fans who love that horror side of the universe and, and will be very into this. And it certainly doesn't look like a bad film. It just, I'll put this one in the same bucket that I put, you know, Venom into, which is... Oh, what a neat trailer. Okay. I'll watch it when it comes to Netflix or insert streaming service here. Is this a movie theater go for either of you? I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, I know nothing about the character. I, I do like Jared Leto generally as an actor, so it, it's a possibility. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a huge vampire fan, right? So yeah. yeah. But then I used to say I didn't, wasn't a huge zombie fan and then The Walking Dead came out, you know, yeah, and 28 we'll Days and Sean Again, and I'm not rushing out. There you go. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a if it's a theater watch for me either. Um, I think I'll watch it though. It looks like it's got an interesting style to it, mm-hmm. as it's a you know alternative theory on how coronavirus started. Apparently, as he <laughs> puts his hand and puts it in front of the bat cave. Maybe that's a cure. That's how the Pfizer was invented, right? I guess <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you guys can cut that one out and put it as a meme online. So you see, watch the hate tweets coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up in the headlines, we've got news that there's going to be two marvelous hosts for SNL over the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, we got news that Jonathan Majors, who of course plays Kang, or uh, I can't remember what, what did they refer to him as in uh, in Loki. He wasn't Kang. He was uh, the Man in Purple or something. Anyways, so the he's uh, that's right, that's right. So he is uh, going to be hosting the show uh, in two weeks on the. 19th, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. the 13th of uh, November, and he will be joined by musical guest Taylor Swift, and uh, we're also going to get Mrs. Saga's own Simu Lu. Mrs. Saga? Mrs. Saga's own Simu Lu is going to be the host the week after that uh, on November 20th, and uh, musical guest is going to be Saweetie. Cool. I guess there's another story here, too, and I'm just looking at this tweet from SNL. I mean, I'm really happy. We'll talk about Simi Liu in a second, but Ed Sheeran 
Yeah. What is happening with him? Is he actually going to, is he going to do like from his living room via satellite or something? They said today he's been confirmed. So uh, just to bring our listeners up, if they're not into it, uh, Ed Sheeran was diagnosed with COVID and he was supposed to be on SNL this weekend in our time. So uh, Mm -hmm. the the seventh, sixth, seventh, sixth, sixth. He was supposed to be on as the musical guest with Kieran Culkin as the host. And then they announced he was going to go into quarantine after being uh, diagnosed with COVID. He now says he's been cleared to perform on Saturday Night Live uh, after quarantining. So Mm. he is going to in a bubble or what? I couldn't say. (laughs) <laughs> I'm guessing Ed Sheeran's got a couple pennies to rub together. I bet you as far as these things go, it's probably a pretty good quarantine session. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, Saturday, he's supposed to be there. Right. And so why, so I'm, I'm totally missing why Kieran Culkin is hosting other than his awesome performance in, um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Scott Pilgrim, yes, of course. Yes, yes. Kieran Culkin's actually a really good actor. He's uh, he's actually one of the stars of Succession right now, and Succession is one of the hottest TV shows around for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So he is going to uh, be hosting on the merits of Succession there, I think, two weeks at this point into their third season. And so okay, cool. that yeah. is why he's going to be there. But you're right. I mean, he's. Uh, I, I will never not think of him as Wallace Wells from... Uh, from yeah. Scott Pilgrim, where he stole every scene he was in and was yeah. beyond hilarious. Um, yeah. He's in a, there's a really good movie from, it's a ways back now. It's got to be almost 15, 20 years old, but he's in a great movie called Igby Goes Down when he was a young man uh, oh, yeah. that I'm really quite fond of as well. He's, 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 that, he hasn't yeah. had enough starring turns. I'm really glad he's had this sort of renaissance because he's a, he's a very, very talented, talented person. Yeah. So uh, in succession, have you, either of you guys watched that show at all? Or I saw a few episodes of the first season. Mm-hmm. Haven't, yeah, uh, I, haven't just, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Okay. Is it just typically what it says it is on the tin? Like, you know, bunch of kids wanting to take over from their dad or whatever um yeah i mean it, there's a lot of family drama around the who gets dad's money yeah. kind of thing he's uh trying to stay in power as he has like dementia yeah 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 so they sort of say that it's loosely based on on the uh the fox the family that owns uh fox news right the, the murdochs oh okay okay right oh okay right gotcha so you know the idea that you know this this guy sort of amassed this giant you know uh, massive fortune and and powerful empire of of whatever, and then it's you know as he's starting to sort of hit the sunset of his life, this the kids are all standing around with steak knives trying to figure out who gets what piece. Right, gotcha. Sort of like the Rogers drama that's going on. Right Pretty now. much that, yeah. Although you know, yeah. it's, this is Canada, so there's a lot of like sorriers in there. Yeah. So, is, I mean, are you familiar with the Rogers drama that's going on right now? I am not. So we had a, a gentleman named Ted Rogers, who's the the person who set up Rogers, you know, world domination. Uh, internet Canada thing here. You know, they own, like, they bought Skydome. They own most of the TV stations around. They own, they bought all of the cell phone, half of the cell phone companies in Canada. Yep. The Blue Jays. Like not, yep. Yeah, they're, yeah, I was going to say the Blue Jays. And they're, they're easily number one provider, I guess, here. So anyway, Ted Rogers, you know, being mortal, uh, passed away many, many years ago. And his kids took over. And so now there was a power play the last couple of weeks where the one of the sons wanted to take over and the daughters were going no effing way. Um, the, the stock took a nosedive in the middle of last week, I think it was. And it's on its way back up again. But yeah, there was a big, there was big, you know, front page stories about this, this uh, dynasty of kids that are fighting over their dad. Very much, you know, like, like I imagine succession is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but in real life. 
Yeah. yeah, we had we have another couple of we had Belinda Stronach had a thing with her family too. With there were another yeah, it's Magna, Magna International, which is the Magna largest car parts company on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they 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 had a big power play too. She was a politician for a while too. But mm-hmm. anywho, all right. Well, uh, kids, this is kind of a strange thing because we normally roll into the main part of the show here, and so we're not sure. Are we talking about Doctor Who today, or am I just doing the follow up on Doctor Who? We can we can okay, talk in right. broad strokes about Doctor Who. But I, I mean, we won't get too far into the details. We're here to talk about Prodigy, but so let, let's get Doctor Who real quick out of the way. Um, we had the surprise uh, premiere um, yeah. was announced. Like Jonathan gave me like an hour's heads up, I believe, yeah. on, as to when it was on. Yeah. Uh, just sort of showed up. It was like weird time too, like six oh five or yeah, it something. was it was like six fifty five or seven fifty five yeah, or something. Something that's really thrown off the Rogers PVR because they never planned things like that. Um, yeah. So anyway, I just I did happen to to catch it, and and then that's a case where I mean, as we were talking about earlier, I this this one, I because Rogers is going to play with or whoever's going to play with the when these things come out, uh, I just told it to record Doctor Who on Sunday, no matter what yeah. time it shows at. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only way to survive, right? Um, so yeah, we're back with uh, Jodie Whittaker, and uh, I've forgotten her name now. The lady who plays Chat. Yes. Uh, Mandeep, or Mandeep Gill, Mandeep Gill. Is it Mandeep Gill? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a friend at work named Mandeep. That's why I got confused. But anyway, um, yeah. So the two of them now, the the two boys have have left the show as of I think it was last year. Or yeah, the, the season finale last, last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the two of them. And they've you know they've been oh, while while we've been away. They do this all the time in, in Doctor Who. They come back and they they imagine that. The companion and the doctor have been on all kinds of crazy adventures. So now Yaz is all, you know, all uh, wise about the ways of the doctor and who she is and all that kind of stuff. And they're they're going, they're sort of having a banter back and forth as they normally do. Uh, we find that there's a new menace, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the uh, character that shows up is um, at the near the end of it is is these big warrior race guys that have these big round heads. They look like uh, Robbie the robot kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. shape, you know, and they take the head off and then it's, then the helmet off, which is shaped like Robbie the robot's dome, and their heads are dome shaped, and they are Sontarian warriors, and they're mm. I think they came from the second generation of Doctor Who, like uh, the the um, David Tennant, Matt Smith kind of era, right? Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember what the menace was in this show. Oh, so the the and the TARDIS has got some sort of weird thing. But but as we talked about before, this is not a standalone episode. It's mm-hmm. meant to be a story arc that runs through the whole uh, season. And because it doesn't definitely conclude, it kind of there's a bit of, there's a bit of peril at the beginning. There there the two of them are about to be dispatched by some alien. Um, and uh, we we learn they they manage to escape. We won't give that away, but of course of course they escape, right? And then because um, it couldn't have a season if they didn't have a doctor. I was going to say it would have right? been a great twist to be like, and they yeah. both died. Yes, and now we have no doctor, and we're just going to watch blank space for the next you know six episodes. But anyway, uh, the the alien turns out I forgot the name of the of the race. But oh, they were the Lupari, and that was Lupari. Car- Carvanista. And the and the, we we're introduced to this new character who gets kidnapped by one of these character one of these um, creatures who looks like a dog and the guy think it's it's right on Halloween which is kind of a tie in, interesting tie in because he thinks the 
person who's kid or the alien that's kidnapped him is wearing a costume to to make him look like a dog. Mm-hmm. And of course, we learn in the episode, and it's not too much of a spoiler that this dog race is is coming to Earth to protect humans. You know, in other words, man's best friend, yep. and that that every dog owns a, a human. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm sure that Kirby will protect Jonathan and uh, uh, Cinta will protect uh, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's sure protected too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Lupari apparently have like they are, have like a, a basically each is assigned a human, whether they like mm-hmm. it or not, to, to protect. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the guy who gets kidnapped doesn't really understand that why he's being kidnapped by this dog. And of course, the doctor shows up to try and intervene, and and the dun 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 at the end is when the Centaurian warrior takes off his helmet, and we find out that they involved somehow and we don't really it doesn't really conclude the episode because it leads into obviously the next episode so we have to tune in next week to see what is ailing the TARDIS and what is you know happening with uh, the door keeps moving actually I think it was the, was the, the yeah it's it's the leaking play. fluids and the door keeps moving and yeah, yeah and there's the screw like, space and 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 hitting it with a hammer to get it to do what she wants to do right <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh yeah it's it's an interesting sort of kickoff to the season there's this sort of I mean it's it's very Doctor Who it's very much you know we get kicked off we get introduced to a couple of new characters there's a little bit on earth but this one seems like you know they they kind of take big swings sometimes when they get to the last season of a doctor and obviously this is Jodie Whittaker's last season they seem it seems like a pretty ambitious storyline that they're embarking on you know there's there's something happening in the past there's something happening in the present there's something happening in outer space there's something something happening you know uh, with the TARDIS um there's some tension between uh, between the, the the doctor and her companion. So yeah, it's it's it sort of throws you right into the middle of it, and and you know I I don't always love it when they do that because you're just like what who who are we supposed to know who this is? Are we supposed to remember this from previous? And um, but some of the mysteries that they've sort of laid out already are, are interesting. So yeah, definitely always always in for a good season of Doctor Who. But yeah, this is this was just coincidentally timed. This was the uh this the season premiere dropped on Halloween night and there was a yeah. bit of a Halloween theme to the episode and then it's going to carry on and now we're back to once a week every Sunday and uh yeah, into Doctor Who and the last season of Jodie Whittaker. So so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they decided to drop this at you know on Halloween and they did, and they did the same thing in the UK so it all mm-hmm. it all premieres on the same day. However, I gotta say six o'clock or whenever it was it came out that's when the kids are at the door asking for candy. So like that was a really dumb timed <laughs> premiere. If it wasn't for PVRs. A lot of people would be pissed, right? Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people missed it too. Well, anyway. nowadays most people can either set a set a virtual PVR or real PVR or pause live TV. So at least there's that. This would have been definitely a lot more challenging a few years back, but yeah, definitely. And you can stream it on Space, whatever app they use, CTV app or whatever. So I'm I'm curious, Jaime. So last year was last year was the first year you watched Doctor Who, right? No, it was the second year. Um, oh, so you, you've been in since since Jodie Whittaker came in. That's correct. And uh, so, are you you're keen? You're in for uh, her final her final go? I think I'm going to have to catch up on this one. I think where I'm at with it is, uh, you know, it's good. It's nice. I don't know that I feel compelled, and I guess that may not be a a, a unique part through the the fan base. Um, but I'll, I'll watch. I just oh, that's pretty typical of a fan of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> watch when it's on. And You're not really it. sure if you should be tuning in. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it's it. It really does seem like the most haphazard kind of 
show. As I say, I, the only reason I caught up on it is a friend of mine uh, used to work at CTV Sci-Fi, and he said, "Hey, PSA, by the way, is I got the heads up. This is coming out tonight." And I immediately flipped it over to Tim and put it out on the socials, being like, "Hey, oh, is that how it worked? Okay, you yeah. don't know. I didn't know, and you know, the only reason I knew is because because somebody in the know knew." So. Yeah, it, it's again. I don't watch nearly as much commercial television as I used to. I certainly don't watch um, CTV Sci-Fi as much as I used to. Now that there's there's so many other options and there's certainly more on demand and everything else, but it would have completely escaped me. I don't I don't remember seeing any ads for it. I don't remember reading much about it. I knew no. I knew they were doing a no. third season. I knew that they were doing Jodie Whittaker's last season, but I I couldn't have told you when it was coming. Yeah, there was no date. No, no. We would have talked about it on the show. There's there was nothing. Oh, no it would have been somebody's pick, right? Like yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Whatever. Well, yeah, it's always handled yeah. weird. Yeah. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I said, oh, maybe maybe just because I'm not like a huge historical fan, maybe I just hadn't realized it was coming out on Halloween. Um, yeah. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't know if it's an odd time. I kind of try to remember now. Because, I mean, things used to come out, like I said, used to, September used to be a sort of time when things rolled out. But it, all that's gotten skewed in, in the last Well, you know, Doctor Who's always years. marched the beat of its own drum. Again, for a long time there, they would debut or end a season around the holidays. Because that was, for a while there, the Christmas episode was the first episode of the season. And then they, they moved yeah. it to New Year's. And now it's mm. Halloween. I mean... I can't wait till they get well, to the, and it, you know, Arbor Day celebration for Doctor Who. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember if it was the, la- what, the first episode of the last season with um, Matt Smith, but I, I think they they did a simulcast where you could go and watch it in the theater at the same time as it was on BBC uh, TV. And and I think they did that again with Capaldi's last season as well. Yeah, I know they did that for that Day of the Doctor, the one where they all teamed up and oh, stuff Oh, right, like that. yeah, that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah. That's that's one where, like, yeah, you. it's a really good episode, Jaime, but I would, I would suggest that you try and catch some David Tennant episodes and some Matt Smith episodes before you watch that one. <laughs> You know. Yeah, and again, in the fine tradition of Doctor Who, good luck just, you know, you can't just watch season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's all these like random specials and stuff that are sort of tucked in there. And yeah, it's you kind of need a, a, a watcher's guide from the Internet to make sure you're not missing anything because they they carry important threads through like random specials and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. Um, and every doctor has his own those sort of little proclivities, you know. Mm-hmm. Today's episode was called Star Tra- Starstruck, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps because it was a big episode with Kate Mulgrew in it, I don't know. But uh, so, how would you introduce a young audience, say you know, ten to twelve year olds, to the whole concept of a starship and the Federation and that kind of stuff in an episode? And that's what they did here today. Was you know they talked about uh, why Janeway was a hologram and what her purpose was, and she basically says here she's here to advise and maintain the lower level functions of the ship because obviously these these people that are on the ship now have no <laughs> no idea what's going on. She's a little suspicious of them at first. She's kind of asking them like you know okay who's the captain and you know of course the the prisoner sitting in the captain's chair says I'm the captain and Vidal says you know I'm the captain and they all kind of look at him like what and she says. Janeway kind of cues into that and says, I get the feeling that you're not really telling me the truth kind of thing. And you all, I think you're all cadets because none of you are in uniform and you don't look like you know what you're doing. And, you know, of course, the old trope of, well, you know, why don't you tell me about the Federation for, for my crew here who, I mean, I know, but they they may not know, right? So the kind of thing. And there's this interesting little hollow, you know, 3D hologram thing like they do in these in these modern sci-fi shows where, you see Janeway explain to them about, you know, how the 
uh, Federation is made up of a, a, a variety of different um, inhabitants from different planets, all coming together with a common goal to, you know, to 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 improve the universe and that kind of stuff. And of course, they have like super you know, Vulcans and and Dorians and a few other races that you you're familiar with, and different ships and things like that. Um, there's little, like little holographic planets. Of course, Morph, Morph tries to eat one of the uh, yeah. little holographic planet. It comes at the back of his head, of course. But um, you know, and that that sort of lays a thread for the part of the episode too, in terms of where it's going to go. Because hold on to that thought for a minute. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So they, so you know, she calls them greenhorns at one point, which is interesting because you know, uh, I think uh, Rock reaches to her head and goes, "I don't have a horn," kind of yeah. deal. Um, anyway, so uh, they're off the ship. They they they're trying to find out if there's a brig where they can put the the prisoner or their their captive. Um, and uh, Janeway tells them to go to the starboard side of the ship and whatever. And of course, you know, they're walking through the ship, going, I don't know which side of what what does starboard mean. And as they're going through, trying not to uh, admit to Janeway, they don't know what, don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they do stumble across more helps them stumble across where star or the the brig is and they end up putting the the a girl in there. Yeah, Gwyn, yeah, the uh, the the lead, the leader of the the bad guy's son. This is uh, the diviner's son or daughter rather. On the way there, uh, Dal says to them, you know, like you know, the, uh, I don't want to listen to Janeway. I don't like don't want like to listen to authorities because they're always just trying to you know just another name for someone in charge and. You know, Charles trying to tell us to, what to do, and of course, Rock looks at Adam and says, "Aren't you in charge? Are we? Are you lying to us too?" Yeah. Kind of thing. And anyway, so we we flash over to the Diviner, who's now you know looking up into space, trying to figure out how to get his ship back. And Crimerium is the name of the crystal, I guess, that they used as their currency to try and um, to make uh, to you know to to win stuff. Oh, something just popped in here. Is that you? Okay. That, that was me. That was. These are all the names. Yeah. In case you're, in case, okay. in case I find yeah, this very no, I'm, handy. I'm, I'm just going to muddle through it. Anyway, um, and of course he says, you know, f- prepare Rev Twelve, which is this big, giant, menacing-looking ship that they're going to go and chase after these guys with. Um, so, so Jenkum and, and uh, Rock end up down in the in the mess hall, and he's like, what, "Where's the mess? I don't find any. I don't see any mess in this mess hall." And Janeway pops up and says, uh, "Oh, wait, they keep dismissing Janeway, by the way." But just I forgot to mention that. But she pops up and tells them that you know they have this. The food replicators can replicate any food you want of any kind. And and uh, Jenkum says, "Well, I don't really have any credits on me, you know, sort of thing." And and uh, Janeway says, "Well, as cadets, you should know that there is. We've done away with currency in the Federation. Or, what is it called? What's Rock call it? Not the. She mispronounces Federation. I forgot. Yeah, Federation Fem- or something like that. Yeah. yeah. What's a Federation? <laughs> yeah. What's a Federation? Anyway, so uh, they discover that they can have any kind of gloop that they want. Of course, they just go up to the ship and they mention some sort of alien substance. And, of course, the replicator knows perfectly well what they're talking about and, and creates it for them. And then um, Rock, poor soul, uh, asks for the only food she's ever eaten, which is the slop that they feed him in, in the prison colony, right? So, to which Jamie says, I like a woman who knows what she wants kind of thing. Um, yeah, which is interesting because we, we just decided last week that we were going to use pronouns with Rock, right? Mm-hmm. Anywho, apparently um, female is the way to go. Yeah, later on, um, uh, Gencom is down banging away in in the uh, in the engineering area, and um, Zero comes by and asks what he's doing, and um, you know he says he's just checking things out, and of course he finds that the, he says you know this ship's amazing; it's got two warp cores, which means it can have two ejections in one episode if they want. <laughs> um, and uh, some and and Zero says, what's this thing here? And it's a big sort of domey thing. I don't think they really, really describe what it is, but obviously that's kind of like, you know, some sort of 
fabulous drive that's going to come up later on in the story in the future. Um, by the way, they don't really reveal, reveal to the kids of the, watching the show that this is the engineering area. Of course, we, you know, those of us Trekkies all knew what it was right away, right? But, uh, and of course, they start hearing red alert, red alert, and, and uh, they find out that they're heading, to, oh, yeah, forgot, earlier in the story, you know, they, Janeway suggests, you know, that she sets a course for them, and Ral being, you know, typical, you know, goofball says, no, no, I don't want you to set it, I'll set the course, and he says, I think we should go, and he just spins the map, and points to a little red red star and says we should go there of course it's a red dwarf right and um so the red alert is that they're now approaching this red dwarf which is being sucked in a gravity well by a white dwarf which is destroying everything around it and you know because of the gravitational uh, the contraction of a white dwarf um pulls everything in creates a gravity well and pulls everything in towards it including the red dwarf which they're heading to so now they're stuck trying to get in there um and uh somebody tells him not to use a, a warp drive warp engine or she Janeway says don't use a warp warp engine in a, in a gravity well it's not a good idea and of course so then he says he dismisses Janeway go away you're, you're bothering me and and uh they're getting sucked into this thing and he says you know because when he realizes he can't use the um the warp drive let's use the impulse power and of course impulse power isn't really working for them and he says throw all the put all the resources into the direct everything or forget the terminology they use but direct all that energy over to the 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 um, impulse drive and of course everything turns off right and uh gwyn escapes because it, it brings down the barrier of the of the brig and so gwyn just able to walk out and tries to get and tries to escape and and uh, then of course you're in um in his panic um dal says you know just eject everything that's not needed you know so we can get some reduce our weight and of course it starts ejecting all the escape pods which is where uh she's heading and she uh the she's completely she's like oh aren't there she asks the computer aren't there any more escape pods and and uh, the um the computer says no but there's a, a vehicle replicator which is a new thing and i can make you a shuttlecraft in the shuttle bay so she heads down there to get that done and that's when rock comes up and discovers her missing and um they have a tussle and uh in the in the tussle um Gwyn goes over and turns off the gravity and so everybody's floating around in in the ship now and so now they're in a real conundrum, you know, they're heading towards this white dwarf, you know, they've got no gravity, they have no power because they've diverted, diverted it all to the impulse engines, right? That's the word I was looking for, diverted. Um, and uh, Janeway pops back in and, and uh, tells them how to go ahead and, and uh, reverse all this, this bad energy they got going and get their ship back under control. Um, yeah, and so, and then she explains at the end of the episode that, uh, that, as you know this this is a perfect example of of the end of the federation concept of a collection of species aspiring to do better and as she does the camera kind of pans around and you realize that the collection of rare species that haven't really don't really know each, anything about each other of course are the characters on the show because they're all from all of different different races and different species and that kind of stuff different planets and stuff so that's then that's kind of sort of where the episode ends yeah i think i think you nailed it tim i, I think this was the uh the starter kit for understand a starship understand the federation understand the dangers all that stuff it was just it was definitely this one felt a lot more i mean expositional well yeah (laughs) i mean it it did it felt like very much excuse me exposition for people who were not necessarily part of this before you know the younger audience they're trying to attract with this series it made sense to do this, absolutely. But I think for for all of us, I think you know the the sort of the candy of this one is just you know we get to know a little bit about the characters, the way they interact, 
You know, it's funny because obviously, you know, this is episode three. Theoretically, it's two. I mean, the the two part starter. So we're just starting to get the note of the characters. But right now they're really leaning into the superficiality of the characters. You know, Dal is self-centered and arrogant. Uh, Gwyn is sullen and, you know, uh, untrusting. Uh, Jenkin Pog is a slob and, you know, uh, a, a clown. Zero is condescending and uh, and uh, um, a bit obtuse. Uh, you know, and, and Rock is, is you know, uh, lacking in confidence and, and clearly sort of trying to find her own. So they, they sort of give you these these very sort of superficial views of these characters. And, and Janeway, the, the hologram of Janeway comes along is extremely smug. I mean, she's even got the coffee cup and everything. Like, she, she yeah, really yeah, was. Yeah. She was not coming off as the best version of herself you know um but yeah it was it was it was a little bit on the nose but i think you're going to get those episodes with this series i think they are they are going to have to you know i think i think hardcore trek fans are going to have to sort of just accept that there's going to have to be these episodes that are that are really about you know uh you know the the starter kit for star trek right well but they did leave some things hanging for us right? i mean like they left the the what is this dome power generator thingy whatever in the engineering area they didn't ex- answer that yeah right? there's they two warp cores what's that up. thing in the middle yeah good stage setter yeah and then and also the idea of, of a vehicle replicate replicator sort of leaves things open for future sort of coolness right so something we didn't have in in previous star treks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i saw some interesting uh criticisms online where people were like well you know um like dal in particular like as being too extreme of a character um for like a star trek show and i'm like guys it, it's a kid's version right yeah like think about like teenage mutant ninja turtles what's you know what's Raphael's deal oh he's the the moody sassy one what's Donatello's deal oh he's completely obsessed with science and machines and stuff right like you you create these extreme versions of characters because the the shades of gray aren't exactly picked up on by kids right they need something like that's the bad one that's the good one I think there's more layers to this story than um you know, I think little, little kids will get, but it still needs to be addressable at some point and understandable by them, right? You can't just have stuff be, uh, well, you know, it was the acting choice. It was in that glance that we knew. It was like, no, they, they kind of need to straight up say stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, kids aren't going to yeah. get it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a good show. I mean, like, it's not, it's, you know, it's kind of like there's the, the jokes in there for the adults, like the, the Mulgrew coffee cup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, but yet there's the, the, you know, the cute little eight year old giant rock creature, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who, who, you know, can hold her own in, in a tussle. Like she's not, you know, a pushover in that sense. Right. Um, and she's also the gullible, naive character too, that doesn't understand why things are the way they are, why, you know, the world has to be the way it is. And, you know, she likes her, she likes her meal. I mean, you know, do we know anybody, Jonathan, in our lives who will eat basically three foods? <laughs> yeah, you know, we might. We might. And are they not six foot tall as well? Six foot three, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so these are, these are uh, clearly, I mean, I, I don't know if it's dumbed down enough. I mean, it's definitely sort of a YTV, Teletoon kind of Nickelodeon kind of show, but, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, this one, it's funny because I think the first comparison that I drew, just seeing the, the production art, the trailers and stuff like that, I felt Clone Wars was it, but it, it does even seem skewing younger than that. Just because all the characters are supposed to be young, they're all learning themselves, their interactions, you know, it definitely does skew pretty young. 
And, you know, I think, again, the hardcore Trek fans, the people who are really way into Trek will find the things of Trek that they like. Again, there was, you know, I was looking at this show at times today thinking, well, it's it's kind of fun in the same way that the original Trek animated series could could go some places that the, that the traditional Trek couldn't. This one, obviously, we're in an era where you can do a lot of cool stuff with CG, but there's a budget limitation in animation. Again, like some of the effects when the protostar was going through and trying to sort of get out of the the, you know, the, the sun's, you know, gravitational well and stuff like that. Like the effects are really cool and the animation's really, really interesting. Even the visual effect when you say the, the diviner's ship takes off from the mining colony and you know goes into cloak it's really cool and it's just not a visual that we've seen before in star trek so i think there's going to be lots of stuff for for the you know the the tried and true truck fan to sort of find and really enjoy with this but you do have to always keep it in front of your mind that it's really not for us yeah well it's funny because you know um the day i met Jaime, I also met another guy named Jonathan Penn, who's, he works for Apple now, but he gave a talk once at NS North that Jaime and I attended, and, he, and it, was a, it was basically Star, Star Wars themed, right? And uh, the, the most interesting thing about it was, you know, he was talking to his young daughter about her, you know, who's her favorite character in Star Wars, and he thought it might be, you know, Amidala or Princess Leia or something like that, and she said, Emperor Palpatine. Huh. Because he can make lightning come out of his fingertips. Yeah, sure. I remember that talk. <laughs> you know? Who ha- who hasn't wanted to have lightning come out of your fingertips? Exactly. So for, to an eight-year-old kid, it's not, you know, you know, Janeway has a coffee cup and is like, you know, the leader of the pack. And, you know, like we all have reverence for, for Janeway. And, you know, we have reverence for... Tuvok and Spock and that, but a kid might like Neelix. We don't know, right? Uh, Somebody's got to like Neelix. <laughs> you know, and again, it gets Jar Jar Binks syndrome, right? You know, you we look at Jar Jar and we're like, geez, what a stupid character. But there are kids who were little when that movie came out who were like, Jar Jar is my jam. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't understand why Han Solo is so grumpy all the time, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's like my grandpa. Why would I want to follow him, you know? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Not that I'm like that <laughs> <laughs> no 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 never Get off my lawn. never 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 uh, yeah 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 it's i think it's i think it's a good start um but yeah like you said uh like of course i watched it with the with the uh, stereo home pods today mm. and it was quite quite nice and nice nice and loud and uh had the good soundtrack and and it's funny because you know like we've talked about the, the opening credit scene and i can't remember if they do this in discovery and in picard as well but you know they have this sort of news theme song i think they do it in lower decks as well they have the the, the main theme go and big horns and violins and stuff like that and at the very end it just kind of all collapses down into the you know the the opening notes from alexander courage's Mm -hmm. uh, theme for star Star trek right so yeah i think everybody puts their own spin on it but then it all comes back to to the source right yeah for sure yeah which is to us that's like the the ping you know so we we know we know that sound that's the the sound of the of the um tardis you know landing is is another Mm -hmm. familiar sound that people are attuned to right so Mm -hmm. all right do we want to move on so we've all seen dune now yeah Oh, we right. have. We saw it on the big screen. Jaime saw it on the little postage stamp screen. Whereas yeah, we it was saw beautiful. It, on it was beautiful. It was beautiful on my home screen. So describe as best you can what it was like on the IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about it as we were coming out that, you know, Denis Villeneuve makes beautiful films. Just, mm-hmm. just an absolute master at painting canvases. And, you know, 
I have, I gotta admit, you know, confession time, I've been extremely envious of Jaime, as much as he busts our chops about the the socialized sci-fi here, this HBO Max same day premiere thing this year has made me very, very envious because you've got to watch like all these great movies as soon as they are available and we don't have a choice, it's either go to the theater or don't. Uh, But then when uh, uh, Xavier and, and Tim and I went to go see Dune last week, I was like, yeah, no, this is better. This is so much better. I, I wouldn't have wanted to have had this be my first experience with this vision on a, on a smaller screen. That being said, so there was a few times where it was like, I kind of would have liked to be a little bit further removed from it or on a TV just so I could process a little bit because there was some scenes especially mm-hmm. there's a one scene again where we'll try not to get too far into spoilers on this one but there's one scene where there's an attack and it's very dark it's at night time there's a few times where I was like mm, yeah you know some some of this could be better on a television set but but uh, the vision of the different planets the uniqueness of the of the settings the ships the clothing the, the weapons, like all of it was just so, just, just so, and just so unique and such a vision that, you know, uh, you know, I know we all, I think really enjoyed Blade Runner 2049. It did not, it was not a huge um, commercial success, but it certainly was a critical success. And I think everyone realized in that moment that, you know, we were kind of dealing with sort of a modern master of his craft and and boy it, it looks so good and imax and you know some of the sound effects and stuff like that were were really really neat in in a theater environment it was one of those moments where i was just like oh thank goodness we can do this again yeah and it was a bit like you know the the the, the palace or whatever it is that they're living in you know in the in the opening scenes or the scene, the scene where where um uh the one character gets um uh, attacked the father gets attacked right mm. and he's kind of like lying there in the middle of the, the middle of this big giant hallway like that kind of scale like mm-hmm. it's similar to the 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 home world that that thor came from right mm. but mm-hmm. you get you get a real sense of scale and that's something that that villain is really good at is to be able to sort of portray like he does that with the with vegas and in, in um in Blade Runner uh, 2049, mm-hmm. he has that same sort of scale and, and, you know, large vastness to, to it. And, yep. and, um, I mean, his, 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 uh, portrayal of spaceships and, and tools and things like that. I mean, like they're, they're not, um, they're not your conventional, uh, kind of stuff. I mean, they're not like, you know, typical Star Wars or Star Trek kind of, you know, clean lines and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, it did actually look pretty, pretty believable from that point of view. And a lot of, a lot of interesting politics and some characters, um, uh, Sarsgaard, uh, yeah. was unrecognizable until he opened his mouth. Yeah. Stellan Sarsgaard yeah. playing, uh, yeah. Harkonnen. Yeah. Baron Harkonnen was yeah yeah very cool so it was it was interesting i'd I'd love to hear what mark uh mark um rubin has to say about it he's a huge dune fan Mm. right so i'm kind of curious what he thinks about this because i noticed having just read the reread the book recently that there seemed to be a little bit of playing with the timeline and i was a little surprised to find that uh that this is sort of part one it does say part one right on the tin right but um you find that at the beginning of the movie, but Jonathan was telling me that they they this is the first swipe at it, and they don't know depending on how this one does whether they'll they'll do a second, right? Yeah, they, they've confirmed it since then that that they're going to make a second one, so we know that's that's coming. the The real question is, and I think somebody put it to to Villeneuve. I read a piece this week where they were saying, you know, so 
Dune is obviously it's not just one story. It is a it's it's a it's a millennia spanning story that took place over a long period of time. Herbert wrote I think seven different books, plus his son and Kevin Anderson wrote a bunch more after his after his death to try and sort of wrap up the story based on on Frank Herbert's notes. And I think it will be interesting to see if this is you know something that they continue. Now the other benefit of this one is that. You know, they can take it now that they have HBO Max. They don't have to do it all in the theater, too. You know, they can go back and they can tell backstories and stuff like that and tell, you know, limited series that talk about, you know, uh, the Bene Gesserit, you know, uh, religion and some of the backstory and stuff like that. Like they can really kind of go different places. And that that to me sounds really interesting. If you if you could have something that's kind of Disney Plus esque where you can kind of tell other stories within the same universe and then. You don't have to watch them, but it certainly adds to the to the flavor of the experience. I think that would be a really interesting way for them to go with this very rich world that he sort of kicked off here. Definitely cool. Jaime, what, uh, so now that we can talk openly about it, what were, what were some of the highlights and, and things in your experience? Obviously, you, you had a different experience watching it at home as the premiere. Yeah, I, I enjoyed how it, um, it brought in that... Um, it, it's like a like a Muslim Arabic aesthetic that I feel mm-hmm. comes in much more strongly in this. And I'm not familiar with the source material. I've not read the books. But comparing this mentally to what you get out of the David Lynch film, I'm like, oh, I never really got the 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 cultural aspect like this. So I don't know if that's an, an add-on or or bringing back in something that was in the original um, source material. Do, do you all know? Yeah, Tim, I think you, you could probably speak to it having read it recently. But my understanding is that that even in the time it was definitely there was a correlation between um between the the relationship between the book and its sort of pseudo references to islam and and, in the moment yeah i don't yeah that's a question for mark i really don't know yeah i don't really pay i don't really cue into those kind of things but yeah i have heard sort of things like that you know um yeah to me it's just a, a different thing like yeah i i don't really i don't really make those kind of associations myself right unless it's blatant yeah Mm, I see. I see. Um, the the one thing that's a little weird, besides the um, you know Thanos wins at the end kind of ending, it has because this is the first part of a two parter, right? Um, uh, the the other thing I found kind of strange was you know there's there's a lot of hype for uh, Zendaya, but she's like barely in the movie. Yeah, right? <laughs> like like yeah. as an actual character, she's she's uh, yeah. premonition, I suppose. Um, like I, from her part i'm like man i sure hope to make a part two because <laughs> she's barely in this movie considering how heavily portrayed she was in the uh the in the lead up the yeah, lead up yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um i also liked uh jason momoa big big fan so loved, loved mm-hmm. his character of his take on things yeah i don't think i've seen him shaved since he was on uh star stargate right <laughs> i almost <laughs> didn't really, i mean i recognized him but i didn't recognize him because he usually has that you know with the whole beard and mustache thing going right yeah, he was. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I was. Uh, I was thinking about it afterwards and thinking about like you know this is pretty impressive cast that they put together for the for this oh, yeah. first movie. And again, not to get too spoiler heavy, but you know I think you know in some cases those characters were really you know, they they knew that their their characters were not you know uh, and I won't mention which ones, but s- certainly some of the characters were not long for the sh- the story. And I think that you know again you bring in Oscar Isaacs, you bring in him, you bring in you know some of these really great actors and you kind of just let them cook for a while and then you know they don't they know that they've they're just 
just there for you know half a movie or or, or one movie, and they're not they're not committed to doing a an ongoing uh, storyline. But you know, it's arguably the most star-studded cast that Villeneuve's ever worked with, and you know, and 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 I think. He kind of lets them all shine in their moments. You know, Oscar Isaacs has a, some really nice scenes. You know, Momoa has some really nice scenes. E- even some of the supporting actors, you know, there's, there's some some really nice moments. I, I will say, so, Tim, I think you mentioned in the moment, you were like, this is my first Chalamet. And I was like, yeah, yeah I think it's mine, yeah. too. I don't think yeah. I'd seen anything with him previously. Uh, but, you know, he certainly has been a name that's been on the rise the past few years. I know, and, and obviously because he's a very handsome young man. But uh, beyond that, because uh, people see him as a very talented actor. Oh, that's true. I know. I saw Lady Bird. He was in that Well, oh, that's too. true. Yeah, I did oh, see that, too. Okay. That's okay. true. That's why he looked familiar. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty yeah. sure. It says here, Interstellar. Uh, a young Tom yeah. Cooper. Oh, oh, he was also in. Uh, looks like he was also in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Call Me by Your Name is is the big movie. Yeah, that's the one that everyone talked about. But I have not had yeah. an opportunity to watch that yet, or not yeah. made an opportunity. But, uh, but he's definitely he's you know he is the center. I mean he's he's full face on the on IMAX screen for a long stretch of this movie, and he carries it well. Like he's he's certainly there. Although you know, uh, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, you were expecting based on the on the billing of the movie that Zendaya would be a, a much more uh, prominent character. I'm led to understand by reading uh, this last week to sort of follow up on it that the second movie is going to sort of cast her in a, a much stronger protagonist role, almost to the point of being like she'll be the star and he'll be the kind of secondary character to whom things are happening. So hopefully we'll see more of her because I think she's she's a really, really talented uh, actor too. So, But yeah, I think it, it's an interesting first start, although I, some of the criticism I've seen online has been centered around the fact that, you know, it... it it doesn't end satisfactorily. It's very much a part one. It, it kind of feels like uh, a Fellowship of the Ring where you're like, and they started walking that way. Come back in two years and we'll tell you which way they went, you yeah. know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I, I can say that, you know, as a, you know, I don't need a lot of, I don't I don't think the movie needed more pew, pew, pew. I don't think it needed a big, you know, like Marvel, you know, some of the criticism of the Marvel movies is that, the formula is so strong with them, you know, uh, you know, yeah. first act, second act, third act, third act is always the pew, pew, pew. It was, you know, very much true of the last uh, of, of, of Shang-Chi. It's very much true of, of all their movies that, that, you know, things blow up good in the third act. And yeah. they don't really have a good recipe for, for not doing that. As a matter of fact, that's what made Loki so damn good was that they didn't need to do that at the end. In this case, it was all, I I don't want to say unsatisfying, because I think it was certainly like, I don't, I really didn't have a lot of nitpicks with the movie, but there really was no like zenith of the the film. It never really felt like there was like building to a crescendo. It kind of, yeah, I, I guess the big attack scene, but that's sort of more to like, you know, that's two hours into a three hour movie and then it just sort of does its thing towards the end and it just sort of winds down and then we all went home like it, it, it didn't necessarily end on the kind of like up note where I'm like damn I can't wait to get back to it I, I can't wait to get back to it because the vision was so beautiful and the performances were strong and you know uh, and I enjoyed the, the world building that they did but I, it wasn't like I can't wait to see what happens with, with the character you know, like it just didn't leave me 
as tantalized, I think, as some some blockbuster type movies do. Right. And and what I said too was that the the one thing that that I found interesting about the way they portray the story here is they kind of have an impression that they know who Paul Atreides is, right? Mm. Well, whereas in the book, um his mother and him, even though he has some there's something about him, he has some magnetism around him, the the people he's living with on the planet don't really know in the caves and stuff like that. They don't really know that that who he is, like that he's the duke or future duke or whatever. Um, you know that that he's like you know got this nobility around him. He I think he just carries himself that way because I mean he's portrayed in this in this story like like you know a young king to be kind of would be done where he's trained like you know mm. uh, the Jason Momoa character is his his personal trainer and you know good friend and confidant and mm-hmm. and um, the um, Thanos guy uh, what's the name again Brolin yeah um, yeah he he sort of takes over too as as a sort of trainer for him and and they have these you know interesting um, personal armors that they use but the, like that whole the whole thing about the mother and the son they're kind of taken in by the people of the planet and and kind of helped and you know protected and stuff as they they go through their through the story but they, but my problem was that in in this in this movie in the, in the portrayal they seem to know who they were mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as opposed because i mean i think the leader guy met them in court and when they first yeah Javier first Bardem, to meet like them. a nice speaking yeah. of like killer casting holy moly yeah 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 so that 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 may be I don't know if, for me that was an interesting sort of uh, rewrite if you will mm-hmm. but I I'm, I'm curious what the real you know diehard um, Frank Herbert fans think about that too or if, or if I if I even remember it correctly but yeah by the way Tim uh, Timothy Chalamet played the young son in Interstellar as well uh, so we have seen him don't before. remember that but yeah no and again like he, he certainly yeah, he played Murph's brother he's yeah. been on the rise for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think it's interesting, and I think it's well done. I think you know it'll be interesting to see uh, where they go with this universe. If this is world building to to be continued beyond just a, a next movie, or if this is just you know one two and 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 they're done. Yeah, for sure. I, I just another quick shout out: Rebecca Ferguson, who played his mom uh, in the movie, was amazing. Um, I hadn't seen her in much other I, that I could recall. Um, but she was a revelation. She was such a yeah, such really a great good. actress. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed her. I think for me, the way that I, I look at this film, because people uh, are talking about it online, is like, hey, it's like two and a half hours. It's like only the first part. It feels like the same sort of epic story, like 1956 movie, The Ten Commandments, starring Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner. It's, I looked at the runtime. That movie is three hours and 40 minutes. Like It takes like an entire evening to watch that when it inevitably... I don't know if they do this in Canada, but here in the U.S., I think they show this around Easter time, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And and it's um, it's definitely epic. I mean, it, the Ten Commandments is literally biblical, right? And I get the same sort of uh, uh, epic biblical feeling out of this movie um, and how it's presented. Um, so I think the 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 pew pew pew. Go, let me tell you, you watch the Ten Commandments, stuff happens, but it's not pew 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 all the time, right? So I mm-hmm. think that's where I sort of take a, a, a different approach to this one, and, and I I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I'd recommend yeah, it. Yeah, it did feel like it was longer than two and a half hours, though. Like it did, it did feel like a long movie to me. Yeah, like, it's, you know. yeah, it's two thirty-five, um, and and worth stating. It's it's um, you know obviously we we've talked about you know is the is the atmosphere right? Are people you know we talked about the sort of litmus test of these movies? You know, is it time for people to get back to the theater? Obviously, depending on where you are and what the circumstances are with the global pandemic, but um, it's made three hundred million bucks worldwide already. 
Well, you know, it's interesting you raise that because that was my one criticism about the experience of seeing this in a theater was I was not comfortable with the people around us. Well, it didn't help that the guys behind us wouldn't shut the hell up, but and and they weren't wearing masks and 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 and, and you know yeah and, th- and they're high school kids going to school and who knows what they're picking up there and yeah mm-hmm. I don't know I mean it's it's a tricky one because obviously you know here in Ontario you have to show your proof of vaccination in order to just even step into the building before you can even show your tickets to get in so. So that's a that's a, a a confidence building thing for sure, but it's a funny one because uh, you can go in and the rules basically say you know while you're eating and drinking you can have your mask off. And I think people take that to mean, oh, I can just take my mask off because I've got a drink here sitting next to me. But uh, I know that, you know, I, I had was eating my popcorn. And when I finished my popcorn, I looked to my right and you were sitting there and you would put your mask back on because you had finished eating your snack. And I was like, that's a great idea. I'm going to put my mask back on. And Xavier did the exact same thing, taking his cue from the two of us. But I would say we were in the vast minority of people wearing their masks while just sitting there watching the movie. That being said, we were talking about it as we were coming out. We were like, you know, that was, you know, really cool to be back in there. And obviously, you know, um, seeing a movie like that in the, in the theaters, we were talking about, well, what else What else is coming out this fall that we really are going to make an effort to go see in the theater? We talked about going and seeing, uh, of course, Eternals, which is coming out this weekend. We talked about seeing Spider-Man. Uh, we talked about seeing The Matrix, which we saw the, the trailer for on the IMAX screen and looked pretty damned impressive. And, um, you know, yeah, there's there's still there's, you know, a good four or five movies coming up between now and the end of the year that are that are, you know, theoretically ones that you'd want to see in the theater. You know, the new Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming. You know, there there are you know, James Bond we haven't seen yet. It, it's it's tough because, you know, again, I, I, you know, I think all of us are big movie buffs. All of us want to want to have the best possible experience. And beyond that here, you know, they they've really have cracked down on your ability to to do anything else it's not like uh in the states right now where you do have the option to watch it on hbo max and stuff here you don't have that i i really do want to see those other four or five movies but you know uh yeah it's it's you have to sort of push past that that still very ingrained suspicion apprehension like it really is a, a mental hurdle yeah definitely look there's another dune movie a miniseries yeah oh. they did one on tv like 10 or 12 years ago really I think it was, didn't they do, they did an adaptation of children, didn't they? I don't know. I vaguely remember seeing something. I don't know if it was a miniseries, TV show, or movie or something that takes place after the the Dune story with um, Paul Atreides as Muad'Dib wandering the desert or something. Yeah, three-part miniseries in the year 2000. I just I just gave it a, a look up. Yeah, Children of Dune, it says. Yeah, I, I must have never, never watched that one. Dune, again, even the original, you know, I think David Lynch is a really interesting filmmaker. But it's kind of a weird movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the best. It certainly has its vision, but it it's not the best. <laughs> Very much of its time, sting, acting, sort of. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Yeah. Well, good. I'm just looking to see on my my IMDb app if they have what's coming soon, but they don't have that. Strangely enough, mm. they've got what to watch and they've got top picks, but they don't have what's coming out, which is odd. Mm. All right. Yeah, they keep changing their formula on their app. What can you do? Alrighty, well, let's move on to our watch list, and uh, I don't have much, so you can go ahead, honey. Yeah, I felt it was timely and appropriate to bring up JaneWayStatue.com. So this is a, uh, for real Z, they've made a, a monument to the uh, upcoming birth of uh, Captain Catherine Janeway <laughs> in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. 
So kind of, uh, I guess, along the same vein as uh, the, you know, like Rocky statue that's in Philadelphia and the RoboCop one that's in Detroit. Bronze uh, Fawns in Milwaukee. Bronze Fawns in Milwaukee. Gretzky, Gretzky statue in Edmonton. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've got the uh, the dedication the there. And the Frank Zappa statue in Baltimore. So isn't there, there a, there's a Superman one in Kansas too, isn't there? <laughs> Is there? Yeah. So, so that's the, the the idea. She's from Bloomington, Indiana. Is that the? Yeah. It's a, the dedication here is connection? future birthplace of Captain Catherine Janeway, Bloomington, oh, Indiana, really? Earth. May uh, I can't read the plaque. Is it May twentieth or May twenty eighth? I can't read that. Wow. What uh, year is it? Twenty three thirty six. It's gonna say a couple years away, like three hundred. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and they've got a little YouTube video of the the unveiling and dedication. They got Kate Mulgrew um, via Zoom because this is all during. The pandemic, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and uh, some some dedication from um, uh, Robert Picardo, who played the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's cool. It's fun. Um, if you're if you're in in that neck of the woods, you know, you should probably go check it out. Take a photo. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's kind of funny. Like I kind of wonder what people are going to think two hundred years from now when they see that statue. <laughs> I was just thinking, hey, somebody down, somebody down in Bloomington changed the family name to Janeway and just start start the line, and uh, yeah, you know, true. eventually sure destined to be born. You don't think there's an actual clan of Janeway somewhere? It's entirely possible. Couldn't say. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, well, in sure all my travels, I've never met a Janeway. I'm sure if you look it up, you probably can. Yeah. Chicote might be a long a stretch, but well, yeah. you know, go find a, a you know place for indigenous people. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I got a couple of things for the watch list. I've got Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is coming up next week. Uh, that is the new Adult Swim slash Crunchyroll series uh, that is focused on the Blade Runner world. Um, I can't recall if we talked about this one back when the, the trailer no. started coming out. The trailer came out in the summertime, uh, I think, when we were on our hiatus. And... Um, it looks really good. It, it looks very much of that Blade Runner world. This is realistically, this is only the third thing set in the Blade Runner universe. We really haven't, for all the different things that we've seen over the years that have been, you know, splashed all over the place. Star Trek's gone a million different directions. Star Wars, all these different franchises, all the comic book universes and everything else. As beloved as Blade Runner is, there really has only just been the two movies. And, you know, there's there's obviously there's been spin-off books and, and things there's like that. Books, but yeah. the, the, yeah. this is sort of that first sort of look back into the different media. So I think... But keep in mind that Blade Runner was a sort of almost a cult fave for a long yeah. time because, I mean, it was sort of the... It was sort of... I think it came... It Was it after Indiana Jones? I or just think before? it was just... I want to say after because it was kind of a sort of a let's get Harrison Ford off the ground here right and and you know you know typical Hollywood he was a sci-fi actor so let's put him in a sci-fi vehicle Blade Runner I don't think it was really well accepted by a lot of people I mean like like you know star star sci-fi nuts were crazy about it right you know I've loved it ever since I first saw it but for the longest time um it was sort of not something that that you know, within the lexicon of yeah. most people. No, it's fair. And, and, and honestly, I, I still, I don't think it really is either for, for people now. I still think it's it's a bit of a niche sci-fi project, but I think that brings us back to why this is only the third one, right? But uh, but yeah, this one seems to focus around uh, the character of the Black Lotus. Black Lotus is uh, theoretically a replicant and theoretically on the run, if you watch this trailer. And this story sort of centers around her and... Uh, and yeah, it looks it looks really cool. It looks very much of that universe, uh, but obviously with the sort of um, anime kind of feel to it. 
And yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's a it's a mini series. I think it's 12 or 14 episodes or something like that. So yeah, definitely worth a worth a look. I recommend checking out the trailer and uh, and you can check it out on November 14th on Adult Swim, both here and and uh, the U.S. and in Canada. So. Oh. And the last thing I've got on here, and I put it on here even though I'm not watching it, uh, <laughs> Supergirl is doing a two-part finale on uh, Tuesday. So uh, whatever what Tuesday works out to be, the 8th, the 9th, 9th of November, uh, is doing its two-part swan song. And I don't say that disparagingly. I like that show very much. But what I'm saying is I have been way off on following up with the season because they broke it into parts. And so I'm like 10 episodes behind. You're also, you're also busy on Tuesday. Uh, yes, Tuesday. We have plans for Tuesday. But anyways... Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to uh, put this on my PVR as I have for the last you know number of episodes, and uh, I will sit down and binge the whole thing. I even without knowing the circumstances of these final few uh, episodes, I, I do find it bittersweet. I do think this this series was was really really good. I think uh, as far as you know storytelling, as far as um, I mean, I I think. You have to absolutely uh, put your hands together for them on the level of representation that they had on this show, the amount of uh, of female, strong female characters. Uh, they had, you know, a very prominent uh, trans character. Um, they've really interesting uh, stories about, you know, people coming out, being queer and... Um, and, and, you know, I just, I, I felt a lot of love for for uh, the characters over the years. So I will be sad to see it go. Uh, but obviously, you know, to all to all things, there must be an end. So, c'est la vie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I guess I do have a pick. My pick is Clark, which is the Kevin Clark, Smith yeah. documentary that you and I are going to go see on Tuesday and then see Kevin Smith talk after the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's happening next week for us. And that's it. So I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, how will they find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at JPK News. And hi, man, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. It's also Carol's birthday. We should have had cake. Oh, well. Well, that's on you, man. You're, You're there.
Well, we had pizza. She got her presents today. She got her new HomePod minis. I, I had uh, Quinn help me wrap the presents yesterday. So, of course, by the time I got up this morning, they were all opened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so she was explaining to me how she wraps presents. So I said, okay, fine. I just handed her tape. Here's another piece of tape. Nice. 27 pieces of tape later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's okay. I still rap like that, and I'm not a six-year-old, so... Yeah, well, I use three pieces of tape when I rap stuff. Mm. <laughs> that's my dream. I someday aspire to get to that point. Yeah, well, I tried to show her this is how my grandfather used to wrap presents, and she just didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Kids, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like they're a whole different generation. I know, eh? What's up with that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I don't know, as my mother would say. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't talk about Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol? Were we supposed yeah, to? The, the, the news that there's a sequel the to both Dune and Paw Patrol yeah, <laughs> slated yeah, yeah. for the future. Yeah. So what Sorry, what now? Show, what, well, the Dune, Dune, oh, Dune 2 and Paw Patrol 2 both released in October 2023. So they're like... Uh, oh, when yeah. worlds collide. And one said, one is set in a, one of our fans said, one is set in a complex universe full of politics, scheming, and intrigue, and the other is Dune. Yes. Yes, I think <laughs> I did see that post. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and of course, we had a friend of mine posted a picture of Worcestershire, because we, we all have yeah. different pronunciations of Worcestershire. So Marcus con- convinces Worcester, because that's, you know, the Worcester, Massachusetts, where yep. Kevin can F himself is from, right? So. Yep. Oh, but uh, so one of our English fans said Worcestershire. 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 Er. And uh, I asked Carol, and she said that uh, she Worcestershire is how she said it. So yeah. I, uh, I, I, that was my one note on the the Doctor Who episode. Is I'm so happy that they named the the season is called Doctor Who Flux. Flux is the sort of big, big bad mystery thing of this season. Mm. I love that they made a Yorkshire woman have to say flux, 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 flux yeah. over and over again. She yeah, kept saying yeah, flux, yeah. flux. And I'm like, I, I, I can't help but think someone in the writing room was like, let's call it the flux. It'll be the funniest part of the season. Having to yeah. have Jodie Whittaker with her thick Yorkshire accent having to say flux, flux. Yeah. <laughs> well, Diaz has quite a bit of accent too. Is it the same... Yes, they're both Place? they're both Northerners. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm just trying to pull up the yeah. Because they were busting the people about uh, like she she said she's from Sheffield or something, right? Mm. But yeah, because uh, the in the episode they are talking with somebody who's from Liverpool, and at one point he makes yeah. a crack. Liverpool, about that. yeah, yeah. That's that's the new character. Yeah, just gonna get yeah. his name and actor. He he's he's been in a few things before. I remember where of course IMDb lists every, like the problem with IMDb is it lists Doctor Who, but it lists every single season of Doctor Who. So of course there's like 200 episodes since it came back out. Awesome. Are we in season 13? Here we are. Uh, let's see here. The Halloween Apocalypse. John Bishop plays Dan Lewis. Right. Yeah, he's the uh, Liverpudlian. Mm-hmm. I guess. Is he really from Liverpool? Let's see. He does a pretty good Liverpool accent if he's not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I guess. It, why would you? Why would you uh, fake that? Right. Yeah. Okay. I, that was a, again not 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 a not a huge spoiler, but the joke that uh, at one point in the episode the doctor is trying to activate something that's voice activated and she keeps saying the word over and over again and then she's like oh maybe i had a scottish accent when i yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah. i said it so she starts trying to do a scottish accent because well, she's trying to do capaldi right so. she's trying to do capaldi that was very funny that was like yeah. a really nice like little nod to 
the way the doctor works, right? Like that, that made me laugh. I was like, so here, here's a little bit of trivia for, for the number one fan of the show. Did you know that John Bishop was once worked briefly as a door to door salesman selling Kirby vacuum cleaners? <gasps> Kirby vacuum cleaners. I know. eh? he just went up a notch in Xavier's yeah, eyes. No I'm kidding. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We just got a, a new fan right there. Yeah. Does he watch Doctor Who? He has watched a bit of Doctor Who. I would not say he is uh, thoroughly invested. Mm, I see. But, you know, in time. Yeah. I think uh, he's. we were talking about that the other day. We were talking about shows that we've watched and things that I watched that he would like. And, and we we're sort of going back and forth. He's like, I am just going to sit down one of these days and make a list. And it's not uh, I want to accomplish these in the next year list. It's a in my lifetime I intend to watch list. Yeah. I said, yeah, I have one of those too. Unfortunately, they keep making more of the buggers. Mm-hmm. So every time I add something to the list, I'm like, oh, but there's this other thing. Oh, but there's this other thing. You guys definitely got to get on this letterbox app that I'm on because, you know, you can, I've basically gone through and, and listed just about every movie I can remember ever watching. Yeah. You know, and so there's like a, and like I had to really dig deep to, you know, I even went to my next Netflix history and stuff like that to try and find some of the shows that I don't remember. But yeah, because I remember like the first movie I saw in Canada, first movie I saw on the drive through. And then I, I must have gone see it like a ton of movies in, in when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old before I lived in St. Catharines because we used to just go on Saturday. Mom would give us money and we'd go off and watch movies. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like. Plus all the stuff I've seen on TV over the years and stuff like that. So, and there's a number of people that I, I got tuned on to it, turned on to it by a friend at work who's who go, used to go to TIFF every year, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's quite a quite an interesting little sort of you know you can follow people and see what they like, and of course you know it's got a whole you know social networky kind of thing to it, right? But it'd be interesting to sort of see like you know what movies you've seen that I because you used to what used to rent movies all the time when you were a kid, right? Teenager. Oh, I like I can't even. I, I, honestly, I feel like that would be a separate hobby if I started doing that at this point. Yeah, if I started yeah. writing down all the shows and TV shows again, I was left alone a lot as a kid to my yeah. own devices. And yeah, I watched movies like all the time. I watched, you know, a ton of stuff. And I was lucky enough that mine was the first generation that had a VCR in the house. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you know, you could rent movies, you could record things off TV and rewatch them. You can, you know, uh, trade things back and forth with your friends who recorded things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I was, very fortunate i mean although that being said i've told xavier like i am so deeply envious of this world of convenience that they are born into now where Mm -hmm. you know at their fingertips every tv show every movie you know like i'm i'm genuinely surprised when i'm like i can't find this movie on online yeah. In a non, you know, um, you know, obviously a lot of stuff you can still purchase, but there's a handful of movies. I, I've been slowly reducing my my physical media collection, and by reducing, I mean like I've been putting them into Rubbermaid containers. So I'm not ready to, to part with everything yet, but as I replace things with either a uh, a digital file or a digital copy or, or something, I'll I will I will archive the old stuff if I don't feel like I'm going to watch it in that medium, especially DVDs and stuff like that where the quality is not quite as high mm-hmm. but um the number of things that are that are not available anywhere now are pretty small like there's there's certainly i mean there's you know obviously there's millions of hours of, of produced content out there uh that have been produced in history that but there's you know i'm i'm genuinely impressed with the amount of stuff that you can find if you go looking for it that being said there's some stuff that i you know some of my favorite stuff that you know is very slow leaking out um um, one of my favorite movies from my teen years was uh, Christian Slater's Pump Up the Volume. And yeah, that, that, one. that movie uh, just hit me. I think I was like 
15 or something when it came out and it just hit mm -hmm. me like a, right in that sweet spot of you know having somebody talk about how messed up high school is and how hard <laughs> it is to be a teenager and stuff just hit me right exactly where I lived and I loved that movie and uh, it wasn't available outside of VHS and DVD until this year really like no. doesn't it doesn't exist digitally it's not on any streaming services it just came to blu-ray uh this wow. year mm. and even then it's only you have to like order it online it's like it's quite expensive it will be it will be on my christmas list this year but um but it, it you know it's a strange one too because it is in the exact wrong place in history because it came out in like the early 90s right before the internet and it's about a yeah. guy who like takes to the airwaves and creates this pirate radio show and is trying to connect with these kids who are feeling alienated. But within like two years of that, we had the internet and all these kids could like jump online and create, you know, content and write a blog and, and, and the whole dynamic change. So that movie does not hold up terribly well for another generation, in spite of the fact that it has all these poignant things to say about being a teenager and, and right. life and, and, you know, friendship and and you know all that other stuff it's it just kind of got lost in history just because of when it came out but but yeah it's 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 fun to see what they will and won't release uh as far as a digital copy or as far as a you know a blu-ray copy or as far as a as a 4k copy or you know get out there is there mm. anything out there where you're like i really would love to see this again i wonder if it's out there do you, like, do you fall down that that rabbit hole sometimes yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there is over over the years. There's a lot of things that I would have seen or heard or records or whatever that that are no longer around. Like it's funny, I bought a a triumvirate um, LP. I should bring it to your house because I don't really play records here. But um, I bought it because that's a a, um, a progressive rock band that from um, Europe somewhere and. Uh, they, I mean, they, they exist online. There's stuff about them, but there's no, they're not on Apple Music. They're not on, you know, there's nothing really there. But they had a couple of seminal albums that just about everybody had, right? And then, yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't personally have them, but, you know, so anyway, so I, I picked that up. That was one, one sort of weird thing. Um, I, I tend to, you know, it's funny, I watch a lot of Turner Classic movies, right? Like I just have, I have that on my rotation as I go flipping by on channels. And uh, occasionally I'll stop and watch a movie there. Like they, have some really good like you know oscar they do like around oscar week they have or up to oscar week for about a month they have um all these different movies and of course they had some around uh um halloween um just recently not the typical halloween stuff you expect like you know uh, michael myers and that kind of stuff but uh, actually one one kid showed up uh dressed as michael myers in on halloween and mac my dog just looked at him and went what the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and one of the funniest costumes I saw that I was waiting for these kids to come around, but uh, they were out there with their father and they were running around with, they had these um, Home Depot buckets on their head, like the five gallon buckets and they had tunics. They were the Knights of Neat. <laughs> That's but funny. I saw them on the corner, but they didn't come over to my house. So I would, I would definitely have taken a picture of those kids, but yeah, it was, nice. it was hilarious. Like the fact nice. that three, three kids all went as the Knights of Neat, right? Nice. So, yeah, I didn't see where the, the father was dressed as. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, I can't. I've forgotten movies that I've watched, you know, when I was a kid, and uh, haven't seen them before. Like, like one of the things I do have is like I did get the Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, which I didn't realize at the time when I saw it that it's actually a Jerry Anderson movie, right? It's like right right after Thunderbirds and all, you know, Stingray and all those kind of things. This was a, an actual people in the movie as opposed to marionettes, right? So yeah. 
Done in, done in uh, what do they call it? Not Jerry. Um, super, super marionation is what he's Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I did finally get the Thunderbirds. I watched Thunderbirds in Batman when I was a kid, like six years old. But um, like, I finally got the box out. And, it, and then I never even sat down and watched it. Oh, well. Sometimes it just comforts you to know that it's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a, a little bit younger than both of us. Is there, do you, do you feel like the things that you're, you're wistful for are, are at your fingertips? I think think so but i will definitely take a mental note to keep track of anything that i'm like oh let me try finding this and then i discover i can't find it even on something like youtube right um i'm kind of curious about this now yeah i find it interesting too like some stuff you know you don't you don't think about it this is the part that people kind of lose track of i think maybe we talked about this a couple years ago but you know just because something's on a service doesn't mean it stays on a service so you don't own it it's just it's there as long as it's there but then the contract may expire and you don't have it anymore uh but even things like itunes i think people have this vision of well if i bought it on itunes i'll i'll have it forever and that's true if you remember to download it and save it to your hard drive but that's not always true if you don't um there's a TV series uh, called Extras. I don't know if you remember that one, Tim, with um, Ricky yeah. Gervais. Yeah, I've only watched a few episodes, yeah. Which I, I really enjoyed that series. I, I, I own the DVD box set of it, which I, I bought just because it was, it was the, the thing that uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant did after the original British office. And it's about uh, Ricky Gervais plays this uh, guy who is an extra in all these movies. And it's about him just sort of advancing his, his career. It's only 13 episodes. It's, it's a very, very... Um, good series he's terrific in it Stephen Martin Merchant I love I think he's hilarious and, and of course a great writer uh, it was available for a while on iTunes but it isn't anymore and so I see it in my iTunes library as you know like I have it downloaded but I can't you can't go back and purchase it now. It just, it's like it doesn't exist, which is, uh, you know, of course, this is going to happen over time. People are going to lose the rights to things They'll have limited term contracts. These things aren't in, aren't in perpetuity. I think people forget that. Yeah. But it's um, the, the series, for what it's worth, if you get a chance to watch it, each episode has a pretty famous movie star as the star of the movie in which he's an extra. So... You know, it's a bit of its time. It's from like, you know, 2005, 2006. But like Kate Winslet at like the peak of her power, Sam Jackson, yeah. Patrick Stewart, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, um, you know, all these different people are, are, are in the show as but playing like these hyper realistic versions of themselves. It is so, so he's funny. like Gervais is an extra in the movie. Is that the idea? He's supposed to be an extra in their movies. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then as this is going on, he actually starts to like get slightly bigger bigger parts and then he sort of it's about him sort of you know uh you know uh how he chooses to his as his career starts advancing how he starts to treat his friends and all this stuff so it's it, it's mm -hmm. good but like david bowie's in an episode as himself and yeah. like it's it's really really good but again yeah. it's you be short of finding the dvd box set i don't know where you have to go to find it now oh you mean it's not online anywhere I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I it's did, on I any. Did, of I remember seeing it, but I never really because it used to be on on in syndication for a while, right? As it would, right? But that's you know, again, it came out 16 years ago, and like so many of these things, it just sort of went away. It was, and then it wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, if you if you search it inside of uh, Apple right now, it doesn't even come up. 
that like hmm. it's not even an option. So it's it's not listed on any service that they're connected to. What was the name of that uh, Blu-ray site that you used to send us to? Blue. It's just Blu-ray.com. Blue-ray.com. Yeah, they, they list all the specials and stuff. Oh yeah, coming up. Coming up that you can buy. But I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, why are we buying things on the Apple Store or App Store these days when we can just pretty much wait for it to come out on some service? Right. That's the thing. Right. It's true. Although there is that again, that sense of permanence. I think people they assume well, look, that uh, tenant is only nine ninety nine. Oh, wait, I have to go to Canada, don't I? Yeah, you have to go to Canada. Um, you do have to, um, you know, you do have to be careful because some stuff you, again, Friends and Seinfeld and The Simpsons and stuff like that are going to be on a streaming service for, you know, probably decades to come because of the their, their place in the zeitgeist. But if you liked some smaller show that was on for a couple seasons. Oh, the other one is, uh, do you remember a series from the 90s called Dark Angel? Dark Angel mm-hmm. was one of Jessica Alba's first uh, projects. It was yes. a Fox. Yeah, yeah, it was a Fox yeah. sci-fi show. It was set in this world where uh, an EMP went off, I believe, in Seattle. Yep. And she, they, they had the the promos with her on the very top of the Space Needle. Right, oh, yeah. right. I've been uh, there. I yeah, so have I. Um, the that series was only around for two seasons. It got canceled after that, and they put out the DVD box sets, and that was the end of it. There's, there's been no more. And it, again, you can't stream it. You can't watch it anywhere. If you don't have those sets, you are SOL. And I, by no means do I suggest that this is a great, uh, you know, monumental series worthy of, of, um, you know, preservation or anything like that. But, you know, Jessica Alba's gone on to have a pretty good career. And I think it's, Interesting that, you know, it just has just dropped off the face of the earth. And James Cameron, I think, was the co-creator of it, too. Like, it's, it's, it wasn't wasn't a nothing show. I loved that my, my favorite part of that show is that uh, <laughs> is that they wanted it to be futuristic in like 2000 and what year did it come out? I'm just looking it up here. 2000 and uh, it came out in the year 2000 and it was set in 2019. So there you go. Um, they wanted it to look futuristic. So for the cars in the future, for the 20 in the future car, they were all driving Pontiac Aztecs. Those ugly ass station wagon looking things that had the, the trunks that opened up and made a tent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, that's what the future will be. We'll all have tents in our cars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And just even in the moment, I was like, that's dumb. And it uh, it does not hold up well if you ever go back and watch it. Well, if you know, you, if you I could. don't know if you're, do you remember, do you remember John, John Michael, Vincent, Jan Michael Vincent? Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a, there was a vehicle that you would see in sci-fi movies. It had big giant wheels. And I think there was like six of them. Um, but this particular vehicle was used in like, I can't think of how many sci-fi movies and tv shows yep damnation alley i think was one of them where it was uh that vehicle let me look that one up because um yeah this the same like you said the same but the same vehicle that was like this is late 70s early 80s and it was just in every single thing mm. yeah oh that's right i forgot i used to go to the um used to go to the kingsway theater in in uh etobicoke because they would show movies for two bucks like you could pay two bucks and you could get in and watch like you know they would show one movie and then the second movie and then they would show the first the first one again mm. so you could go in there for two bucks and hang out for the night and partay and um and have uh you know just like hang out there and, and check it out right so yeah check if you go to if you go damnation alley was the name of the tv show that he was in or was this a movie 
But if you go there, there's a picture of this vehicle, and it, it, it's sort of like a boat car kind of deal, right? But it's kind of like what the future vehicles will look like. And But this particular vehicle was used in so many different um, things. Oh, look who's that. It's uh, Paul Winfield. Um, yeah. Damnation Alley. Damnation. Sort of a, you know, I guess, uh, what year was this? 77? So this is this predates Mad Max, right? <laughs> yeah. George Pippard was in it. What? Before, before the A-Team. Oh, yeah. Nice. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. I love it when a movie comes out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jackie Earl Haley. He's he uh, a kid. Uh, Rorschach from Watchmen. Yeah. This is when he was cute. He was a kid back then. So yeah. interesting. But yeah, that same vehicle, like, I used to see that in all kinds of different shows. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, it's Star Trek box set. $100 for. Uh, sure, we paid less than that for Star Trek on uh, iTunes. Yes, very much so. Uh, although we may have overpaid considering it included Star Trek 3, one. 5... Yeah. I said, I said I told you it was like the three one, movies one, for the price three, of 10. Five, seven, three movies for the price of 10. I remember nine. saying that. Yeah. Look, the crown is out on Blu-ray. Ooh. I, I was surprised. I must admit, I haven't, I haven't gone to that. So that... That Blu-ray.com has, obviously, it tells you the digital stuff. It tells you the, the releases. I went on the other day to look at what's coming out on 4K. And yeah. it's amazing the amount of stuff that they're still pushing out on 4K. It's A, it's very expensive. And B, it's, you know, like, there's not as many places to purchase it now. So, you know, oh, you, right. you're kind of at the mercy of whatever price they want to charge you for it. It's it's, right. it's yeah. an expensive hobby. If you want to continue collecting physical media, and, and obviously there are reasons for doing so, because the, the quality is quite high, but... Yeah. Oof, it is well, much. A friend of mine gave me his 4K player. That's how how popular it is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, go to the iTunes store. See what's on the iTunes. Ooh, Game of Thrones iTunes. Oh yeah, Game of Thrones is on sale this week. Yeah. Avengers, a bunch of Avengers, two or three all Avengers the, movies. All the MCU stuffs on sale this week too. Nine bucks for oh Endgame. Yep. Ratatouille, Jaime. You can get Ratatouille. Event Horizon was my favorite yeah, half sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Jaime is uh, busy pricing out Pontiac Aztec so that he fits in into 2020 uh, Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. All the, all the, all the uh, Marvels are $9.99 in Canadian dollars. Yep. It's heartbreaking, though, because if you flip over to the American one and look at the prices, you're like, oh, so like all the movies on iTunes USA are like five bucks, three bucks. Yeah. yeah. And then you go to Canada, you're like ten bucks, fifteen bucks. And I'm like, thank, thank you. Oh, it's exchange rate. We argue with the guys about that all the time. And I always get pointed out that I'm wrong. Yeah. Wow. Wrong again. <laughs> Wrong it feels less like wrong than it is hyperbole of like, oh, it's a dollar in the US. Oh, it must be forty-seven ninety-five in Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I get your, your points well taken. Your points well taken. That's uh, sad but true. Yeah. We get paid in Canadian dollars too. That's the problem, right? Mm. <laughs> See, Good deal. Is... Uh... How do I know where to go look? All right, I'll check it out. There you go. And I can jump off and actually speak to my mother because I sent her a text earlier, but she was busy. So. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. That. Jump off and wish her a happy birthday. Well, it's still her birthday. Yeah. Cool. All right, kids. All right. Uh, we'll speak next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 